0: I'd like to thank everybody who's here. I'm Georgina Terry. I'm the CEO and founder of Terry Precision Bicycles, and I'm pleased to be talking today to Suzanne Gerard-Eberle, Eberly, is a board-certified sports dietitian, nutrition therapist, and author of Endurance Sports Nutrition. Uh, She's a former elite runner and a very avid cyclist. I would certainly say that about anyone who, in her first time trial ever, managed to cop second place in uh, her category in the 2005 Oregon Bicycle Racing Association State Time Trial Championship. She's also an avid uh, STP, Seattle to Portland rider. Uh, she did the 200 miles in 11 hours in her first attempt. So I think she probably has some very good things to say to us about eating. Um, one of the things I want to ask you, Suzanne, is we talked about this, this talk as being about weight management is seen through the eyes of a sports dietitian. Educate me a little bit. What's the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian?
1: Well, Georgina, a sports dietitian specifically is a a registered dietitian who specializes in sports nutrition. That means um, our group to work with is physically active people of all ages and athletic abilities. And to become a sports dietitian, you first had to be a dietitian and that means i um i followed the same path as any other medical or health professional so like your physical therapist mm-hmm. your doctors your nurses so mm-hmm. we as i tell my clients i actually went to school to do this <laughs> so <laughs> you take um you know i have a certain body um, of academic courses we had to go through an internship and then we take a board exam that we need to pass. And then we are continually have to keep up our um, registration by doing continuing education. And then I followed that same path again to become board certified as a sports dietitian. Now, nutritionist is a much more kind of friendly term that Mm -hmm. people are probably more used to using. And unfortunately, that doesn't really have any definition to it. So I could be a Ph.D. at a university, you know, yeah. doing um, sports nutrition research, or I could literally just call myself a sports nutritionist starting tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, so that's um, one of the things is I would really encourage um, listeners is to really get their credentials of whoever is giving um, out this um, eating or weight-related advice.
0: I agree because, I mean, it's certainly an area where, Anybody can read a lot about it, and and kind of become an instant expert. But but you're right. I mean, there's so much going on physiologically. Uh, it it you don't want to shortchange yourself and do the wrong thing for the wrong reason just because it was fatty or or whatever at the time. It's not yeah, not a good idea. Work
1: really hard for people to understand that nutrition is a science.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: it's not a religion. It's not a philosophy. It's not someone's personal opinion even if that person is let's say an elite athlete or a really well respected coach or you know just very well respected in their field or area of expertise um does not make them a nutrition um expert mm-hmm. so if we stay with this nutrition as a science and working from the scientific model what that means is um
0: it keeps us honest.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, it does. And it, like I work very, very hard to um, to tell the truth. So if that doesn't mean we know everything, and it doesn't mean just because we don't know it, it doesn't mean it may not be true. However, mm-hmm. I'm going to be above board with that. I'm going to say here's the evidence we have today. We're moving forward as a science, and that way I don't have to flip flop with every you know latest story or breaking news that comes out because mm-hmm. I integrate it with what we already know.
0: One of the things we talked about when we discussed doing the seminar, uh, you used the word competent in, in reference to eating. Uh, a normal competent eater. I'd never heard of the word competent mm-hmm. used in that way before. What do you mean by competent eating?
1: Oh, competent eating is essentially being able to say yes to uh, to food when yes is appropriate, and saying no when no is appropriate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. very simple. I didn't say it was easy. It's actually, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually sometimes very hard um, to do. But but it's trusting oneself.
0: It's, uh-huh.
1: it's um, being able to trust oneself that I can figure out how much I need to eat and um, that I'm hungry and I do need to eat, although let's say the people I'm with are not hungry and they don't want to eat or they want to skip lunch. Well, I need to eat. Um, So very much listening to internal signals, listening to your body um, and being being okay with that.
0: And as part of learning about uh, proper eating habits, learning how to listen to those signals from your body and when they're good ones and when they're bad ones, kind of? Mm -hmm. Very much.
1: Um, tuning in versus tuning out. For instance, um, uh-huh. I wasn't even hungry, but, you know, I walked by a bakery or I smelled the pizza, <laughs> so all of a sudden I, oh, my gosh, I'm eating it, uh-huh. you know, or eating by the clock. Well, the clock says it's, it's, um, I should eat now, or the clock says, ooh, it's after 8 p.m., and we all know you're not supposed to eat after 8. Well, that's mm-hmm. not written anywhere. I mm-hmm. mean, if if you are physically, physically, Logically hungry, um, haven't eaten enough during the day. You may need to eat after eight o'clock. Mhm, mhm. So very much listening to one's own signals, um, and like I said, being being okay with that, um, being okay with sometimes overeating, sometimes undereating. Because I trust that my body is going to be able to regulate this.
0: You know, I can't. I, I can imagine somebody listening to this who who really has a weight problem. I mean, they know they're overweight, they need to lose weight. Uh, and and so the tendency must surely be to deny any impetus to eat at all uh, just because you think, well, if I'm eating, then I'm just gaining weight. How How do you reconcile this need to lose weight with the need to be competent at the same time? Well,
1: I guess I would First thing I always ask like my clients is how is your way working for you? Mm-hmm. you know, how are you getting the results that you want? So yes, there is this I'm you know, whether I'm five pounds overweight and of course I'm talking about truly being overweight, not mm-hmm. desiring to be at a lower weight when physiologically it's you know, it's not a um realistic goal. But I don't care if it's five pounds or fifty pounds. Um, yes, this idea that somehow I'm not going to eat until I've lost this weight, like it's going to happen in a short amount of time, so I'm just going to wait it out by not eating. You know, that's totally unrealistic. And usually mm-hmm. what happens is they get up with great resolve in the morning, a lot of skipping breakfast, or really under eating during the day, you know, maybe trying to make real low fat choices. And what we see happen is it just, there's this backloading of calories in at night. So, getting too hungry during the day and under eating um, makes it hard to exercise. Makes it hard to get out the door, especially if you, let's say, you have to go work all day long, and then you're going to work out afterwards, and here you are running on fumes. I see a lot of skipped skip workouts. But what happens at night is now they're very they're ravenous, and so they overeat. So I see that's a very typical pattern, particularly for people who are who have gotten overweight, um, that they're going to diet. They're going to kind of diet, diet, diet until they get this weight off. Then they're going to go and
0: and eat healthy. If if I were to come to you as, as one of your clients, and I do have that situation where I'm really overweight, where do you start with me? I mean, I guess you're going to address what do you eat during the day, what do you do? What's, what's the protocol for that situation?
1: Um, for me, it's getting getting to know you because every um, um, fem- uh, woman is definitely going to have her own story, and I'm interested in learning lots of things about you, about your medical history, about your weight history way back from when you were little. I'm really really interested in your thoughts and beliefs about food and body size and shape and weight, because they really, really influence what we do. Um, I look at your um, training or exercise routine, and you you had a speaker earlier um, on weight loss, and I totally agree with him that um, women aren't in the weight room enough and generally aren't pushing themselves hard enough. Um, into that anaerobic zone. So I'm helping people sort out kind of looking at that part of the picture. Mm-hmm. But I definitely, the mantra I use is, is mind, muscle, and mouth. So I look oh, at the mouth nice. part.
0: Mind, muscle, and mouth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and i got to keep all three. My job is to help that person keep all three <laughs> of those kind of big themes, you know, on the on the board. So uh-huh. What are you doing nutrition-wise? You know, do you get in the things you need? Um How Can you put together healthy meals? What do you do when you're eating out? The muscle is the activity. You know, it could be Mm -hmm. all the way from lead athletes down to people who are just getting started. And then the mind is really, to me, that's the most important part um, because it ties it all together. What are you thinking, um, what are your beliefs about food, weight, body size, and shape? Because that really, really drives um, your behaviors.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So if you want to change behaviors, you usually have to go and do a lot of work on changing thoughts and beliefs.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's interesting. That really is a, a kind of a whole body approach to it. So often it's just a case of calories in, calories out, getting the right kind of exercise. But now you're bringing in a lot, a lot more to it. And actually, I would think that if you buy into that and you agree with that, I'm talking about the, the person who needs to lose weight, then you're probably going to be much more successful at accomplishing the goal and if you only get a a couple of the pieces, the the mouthpiece, for instance, <laughs> then you forget one of the others. <laughs>
1: exactly, and that is it. I I get people to picture a three-legged stool, and if you're only if you only have one leg to stand on, and and you're right, they really want to work the mouthpiece, and often they've been on every diet, or they're this chronic dieter, and I you know my body, my metabolism, there's something wrong with it. Well then. There's no way a three-legged stool is going to stand up. It just keeps tipping over. Even if you, work, if you have two legs, so you work two of the pieces. So, yeah, you know, I'm working out really, really hard, and, and I know I need to do more, and, you know, I know I need to eat less. Well, you may be able to keep that stool upright, if but you've got to work really, really hard at it all okay. the time. And that doesn't allow a lot, any, you know, a lot of time or energy for other things in life. So we really need the three legs to get a balanced base. And that's what gives us um, success over time.
0: Is is that why it you're not likely to be successful if you just make losing weight the goal? Do you just concentrate too much on one leg then? It,
1: yes, exactly. Um, you know, people, um, <laughs> what I see is this is human nature. We want to work on usually want to work on what is already a strength versus looking at those things that, you know, we're, we're weaker at or we're uncomfortable. We just want to keep doing more and more of the same versus going and doing something that's unknown because it makes us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But this focus on losing weight, losing weight, losing weight. First of all, weight is an outcome. And you actually don't have any control over your weight. What we have control over is the process leading up to an outcome. Mm -hmm. So that process, again, is I have control over my eating behaviors, I have control over my exercise, and I definitely always, always, always have control over my thoughts and beliefs. Mm -hmm. So focusing on those things um, is much, much um, women tend to do. It's much more realistic. It's much more doable. And they tend to stay with it versus this big mm-hmm. long term goal of i want to lose weight mm-hmm. I want to lose weight it's a very very that's a very very kind of general vague goal, and that's why it's so easy for people to get lost.
0: I think that's really neat. I like that i mean i it's great that if you concentrate on something else, then the weight will follow naturally exactly and I assume that that's what you mean by eventually getting into a healthy weight once all of these these pieces are are kicking in and doing what they should be doing, then the rest just happens naturally.
1: Exactly. And it, and along the way, you know, we have to take into account and we begin to either learn about and accept genetics, my age, my body type. Yes, I would, you know, like to be 20 pounds lighter. And realistically at this time in my life, I'm not going to be able to put everything else on hold and make that, you know, this overwhelming focus. However, Mm -hmm. I can still work on being very fit and, you know, and being a good mom and enjoying my cycling and making sure we have, you know, a family dinner together. Um, It doesn't have to be a gourmet meal. See, those are all pieces that I can focus on and feel good about Mm -hmm. versus getting on the scale and (laughs) – I'm sorry that there is not one woman, I don't care what size, shape she is, I don't care if she's underweight, outerweight, or overweight, that ever steps off the scale happy. So I'm yeah, just saying yeah. scales are for fish.
0: <laughs> That's great.
1: <clears throat>
0: That's great. I know that, that a lot of people who are listening are going, are going are thinking, well, give me some more specifics. Uh, and and maybe we can address some of the things. Just going back to eating a little bit. Uh, I mean, people are always thinking about how do I turn fat into muscle. What what is the best way to do that?
1: Well, we have to we'll have to go after that um, piece of misinformation right away. Is okay. We do not turn body fat into muscle.
0: Okay. They are
1: two physiologically distinct. <laughs> Types of tissue in the body and so the, it's an absolutely impossible to convert um, body fat into muscle so that is not what happens so right away it's there's two things that, at least two things that are going on one is I would in order to lose weight generally it's I'm going to lose body fat and hopefully I'm going to at least spare my muscle mass or I may and actually maybe building muscle hmm so those are two separate processes. So there's never this, this idea or even telling myself, oh, I'm going to turn this fat into muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is very, very simplistic, and that's not, it just isn't what happens. So sure. that's the premise of why we need to get into the weight room and actually um, build and maintain that muscle mass as we mm-hmm. get older, mm-hmm. and working anaerobically to get more fit, which also burns. Um, which also builds muscle, and it helps us to burn more calories. Mm-hmm. So the more muscle I have, the more calories I'm going to burn. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we want to be, you know, as as muscular as possible.
0: And a lot of people worry about being muscular, especially women, because they have visions of being all pumped up, you know, <laughs> which may not be what some women want to achieve. But, but I'm sure you're going to tell me that that's not the case at all.
1: No. I mean, it, it's just unless you are... Genetically, genetically gifted. They're extraordinarily, you know, elite. You're not. We are not going to um, pump up and and, and become muscle bound idiots. Mm-hmm. What I'm talking about is this: is that lean look that is generally what? If you question women what they want, they want to look toned and lean. I mean, you can be thin and flabby. There's a lot of thin, flabby.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a lot of thin women who couldn't bike up a hill right right right. so it's not that you know we say thin but really it's like this this lean and strong and powerful Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. comes in many different sizes and shapes it has many looks to it that's because we have different body types
0: um you can eat certain foods to decrease body fat I mean, body. I guess you lose body fat through exercise because you need to burn the calories, and that can be a source of them. But but your eating can influence that as well.
1: Yes. However, there are no specific foods um, that I can simply eliminate or not eat to decrease my body fat. Mhm. So this becomes, we get confused about dietary fat and body fat.
0: Ah, yeah. Okay. Explain the difference.
1: Dietary fat is fat that is supplied in the foods that we eat. And we need a certain amount of dietary fat every single day, just like we do carbohydrates and protein. It is an essential nutrient. Um, We need essential fatty acids. We need fat-soluble vitamins. Fat plays a varied a myriad of rules in in the body, and and we need a certain amount every single day. And there's also no evidence whatsoever that following a diet lower than about 20% of your total calories gives any boost in performance, Mm -hmm. right through the elite level. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this idea that I'll simply eliminate fat, or the reason I'm fat, you know, overweight, is because I eat too much fat, there's some element of truth in that, because, of course, fat provides a lot of calories. Mm -hmm. Every gram of fat gives us nine calories compared to protein or carbs. You know, every gram gives you four calories. Right. So it's pretty, it's easier easier to overeat in terms of fat. However, when it comes to managing one's weight, the real key is your total calories. So I can overeat in anything, and I have lots and lots of women um, who carb overload um, and they have a pretty low fat diet or they 're trying to avoid fat you know at all costs, yeah but they 're still racking up more <laughs> calories than they burn uh-huh. so essentially they will either they're, you know maintain their weight or they will they will gain weight if the balance is, gets out of whack too much so it 's not just I eat fat, I get fat, mm-hmm. although it 's much easier if you have a high-fat diet, because you're just going to rack those calories up so quickly. Mm-hmm. And as women, we don't need as many calories. So does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that does make sense. It, you know, it, it comes back, again, to what you were talking about earlier, I think, which is it's, the emphasis isn't just on, on the food alone. There's so many other things that go into it. And so exactly. if you become obsessed with the fat, then you lose track of everything else. Yes. <laughs> that you should yes. be paying attention to. So if
1: I show up to my rides, or especially, you know, these days I want to go the longer rides mm-hmm. or let's do something more intense, so if mm-hmm. I show up low in energy because I haven't been eating enough during the day or or um, I'm going to, I call this dieting on the bike, mm-hmm. well, I'm not going to drink a sports <laughs> drink on the bike, okay, a woman yeah. will say to me, I'm not drinking a sports drink I'm burning off calories I mean <laughs> why would I put them back in uh-huh. because you want to have the best training effort that you can
0: right right you
1: want to enjoy yourself when you're out there you don't want to be slowing down or having or having to cut it short or just kind of going through the motions that's why um, lots of Lots of women just don't aren't able to work out hard enough, and they're, mm-hmm. aren't, or they're not able to work out consistently.
0: Yeah, you know, and you don't want to think. I don't want to go on another ride because that one was so miserable. I just don't want to put myself through this again. Mm-hmm. You can you can have fun and accomplish the goal at the same time. Oh,
1: when we think about what our bodies are capable of, yeah, and oh, it's 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 mind-boggling. And yeah. pushing ourselves and learning new skills and new experiences that. You know, if we can keep a focus on that, um, I call this this to me is high performance eating. Mm-hmm. I'm going to focus on what I can do, not what I look like, or what I hope to look like, or wish I looked like. Um, and I'm going to eat in a way that just sets me up to be physically ready and mentally prepared um, to train or to go, you know, to go out with my friends this Saturday. Uh, so that we complete the goal we set out for ourselves. And maybe we'll even feel better because we're so well-fueled that we actually tack on a few extra miles. or We <laughs> we go up that hill harder than we've um, been able it's, to do It's it the tailwind
0: you have. That's what's really doing
1: it. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take the tailwind.
0: <clears throat> That's funny. Talk a little bit about protein uh, what What's good protein and, and, and what protein should you avoid? I mean, I know some are lean, some are not lean. Um, where What direction would you point people in with respect to protein? So
1: in terms of protein, particularly active women, we do not want to skimp on protein. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about lean quality protein. So now does
0: that mean just a lean cut of meat? Does it mean fish? What is it really?
1: Uh, it includes, yes, lean red meat, which mm-hmm. is an excellent source of iron and zinc.
0: What if you're a vegetarian? But but first address this and then come back to that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: uh, <clears throat> chicken and turkey without the skin, fish, eggs, um, egg whites, so if you want to do egg substitutes, um, low-fat dairy foods, so low-fat milk, yogurt, and cheese, all those are animal sources of protein. And we can make them lean. Um, and then we can pick up other you know, quality sources of protein from soy foods, like edamame and tofu, um, beans, all the dried beans, so kidney beans and pinto beans. And what else do we have? Those are lean quality types of protein. So we're not talking about protein powders Yeah, I was just going to ask you,
0: what is is whey protein? I know that that's a a hot protein these days. You see it come up a lot.
1: Whey protein is an an animal-based protein. Mm -hmm. So when we go to make um, um, taking a a milk and and making it into other products like cheese, we'll have um, leftover. So it's a very high-quality protein.
0: So would that be an appropriate one to use in this regimen?
1: Well, I would opt for a whey protein over a soy protein. However, I would opt for real food (laughs) (laughs) over any of these um, Uh powders or kind of processed products that Mm -hmm. are made from all these different ingredients because Mm -hmm. the protein in food also comes along with other nutrients, and we need those other nutrients. Now, the other thing protein does is it helps to sustain us. It helps to keep our blood sugar kind of more constant over time.
0: I did not even like that. Mhm. So nice. if
1: you're munchy all the time, this is what I see is um, particularly women trying to live on carbohydrates, is you know, they're eating every hour or hour and a half. Uh-huh. You know. And sometimes, you know, there just isn't any healthy foods to eat or they're they're in a situation where they can't eat so they end up getting too hungry. Um, protein will help to sustain us. So my so my goal is to have some protein at every meal, to space it out throughout the day. So at Mm -hmm. lunch and dinner, it's non-negotiable. You need at least (laughs) 20 grams of protein. That's about the equivalent of three ounces of meat or a deck of cards. Mm -hmm. And most women, if they put some protein, or at the very least some healthy fat at breakfast, they would feel a lot better too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, How does the sweet tooth issue fit into all this? I know that that is my biggest downfall, without a doubt. I, I like well, to think that I, I eat healthy, but, boy, do I have a sweet tooth, and, it, and I wish and I well,
1: did. But. Yes, and so why is it a downfall? Why is it a downfall to have a because sweet
0: tooth? Because I to think it? that they're empty calories. I'll I'll be eating sweet things when I should eat something like an apple or a banana. You know, why am I reaching for the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup? <laughs> <laughs> because peanut
1: butter and chocolate is a wonderful combo. Yes, yeah, great. Um. <laughs> It's, so first of all, I mean, these are, you know, we describe these foods as as empty calories, and, you know, you're right. We do not eat what, I put all these foods into a category called the fun foods. Mm -hmm. We're not eating these foods for nutritious reasons. We're eating them because they're fun, they taste good, and they add enjoyment to our life. Yep. And this is very similar to, so every time we step on the bike, it better be a training mile. It better be, you know, I better be no fooling around. I should never ride with anyone slower than me. <laughs> I mean, life would be, that would be pretty awful. Yeah, so yeah. there there is a place for these fun foods, and we have to build them in. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that will set women up is they're um, under-eating during the day. So as we begin to get hungry and crave you know we don't crave apples and broccoli
0: yeah <laughs> we don't
1: go home and put a chicken in the oven and wait an hour for it to roast <laughs> so that's a survival mechanism craving things that are higher in sugar and fat because we need the energy and two i think we tell ourselves that these foods are bad or i'm not supposed to have them and so we give mm-hmm. them this forbidden kind of aura and that makes us want them even more Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so it's so really, a strategy that really works is to is to build these fun foods in and to have them and learn to eat them in kind of a responsible way, you know, moderate amount, mm-hmm. and enjoy them. Because essentially if we active people can't have some of these fun foods, I really don't know. <laughs> I don't understand who can afford to eat them.
0: I find myself playing silly little games like you can have the peanut butter cup if you eat your apple first. <laughs> Well, now there
1: is some we call them uh, mindful eating, and and as long as you set up realistic um, goals, so something like, um, you know, if I do twenty extra minutes of spin class, then I can have a peanut butter cup. That uh-huh. that sets up a pretty unhealthy dynamic. Uh
0: huh. Uh huh. But
1: this idea of especially when we need to establish um, new new habits or you know, renew some of our habits, and and that's a perfect example of at, at snack time. I tell people, okay, you have to have at least one food group rule, one food group. So an apple who is out of the fruit group. Mm-hmm. So you know, strive to have at least one food group food. Two is even better. So maybe mm-hmm. I could do apple and peanut butter, or apple and a cup of yogurt, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or apple and a piece of string cheese. Um, the other thing I, I work with people on fun foods is to build them in and to build them in at mealtime so that mm-hmm. I don't start out, like, on an empty stomach. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it's, very, it's very hard to stop. Um, so it's hard to eat just a reasonable amount, especially if I'm hungry.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's
1: just have it at mealtime. Let's just have
0: it and enjoy it. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. What, one other question for you. We're, we're starting to run out of time here and I don't want to hold you up, but one of the things that you mentioned to me was the mindset of eating to bike versus biking to eat. Yes. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: eating to bike. That means I, my focus, when I get up in the morning and the glasses I put on, um, what I see is always that I am eating to perform. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm eating, I rely on my body, and that doesn't mean just on the bike, but think about how many, most of um, probably, you know, the, the women that are listening, how busy we are and how many people depend on us mm-hmm. and how much we need to get accomplished during the day and, and then, then add on the things we'd like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I rely on my body for performance, so I am going to respect it. I'm going to treat it right, I'm going to feed it, and I'm going to rest it. That is eating to bike Mm -hmm. versus this biking to eat where my exercise is is really just this way of um, legitimizing or rationalizing my food choices. Mm -hmm. Well, I can eat that because, well, Saturday we're going to do this longer ride, so I should be able to have that now, or, you know, I had... I finished the spin class the whole thing this time so now I'm going to go reward myself. Mm-hmm. So this very much tying in um food with how worthy I am on that particular day and that's a very unhealthy very unhealthy dynamic that gets that traps women and they get very very unhappy.
0: I like what you just said about really thinking of your body almost as I mean it's um it's, it's a tool in a way. It's something that you have to take care of and keep lubricated and keep sharpened. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it it relies upon you to do so much of that, and I think it deserves a phenomenal amount of respect. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it from that point of view, I think that in terms of attitude can make all the difference in the world.
1: Yes. Our bodies, and you said it, are tools. They're not ornaments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're not pretty, shiny to sit on the sideline and to look good.
0: Lord knows uh, this one, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Georgina, and I think we all want to be clicking along as well as you are as we move through the stages of life. And I certainly, I know I had a grandmother who lived to be over 100. So oh, my
0: gosh. Good change, Good for I you. Know.
1: So my responsibility is to, yeah, set myself up
0: right, to really be right. able to
1: um, not just live long, but to live well.
0: Exactly, exactly. And mm-hmm. well, I'm anyway, sorry. I was just going to say, I, I think we're pretty much out of town. Do you want to wrap this up, just hit on the highlights one more time for everyone?
1: I think that if we can really focus on um, our bodies as tools, so not ornaments, focus on what I can do. Um, not what I look like um, eating um very much listening to one 's bodies now we were born this way as babies, you know we knew mm-hmm. uh, when we were hungry and we and we stopped when we were full mm-hmm. so again it 's a very simple concept, but then some, something happened, <laughs> something <laughs> intervened so getting marketing to, <laughs> <laughs> listening to to my own body, figuring out and tr- and relearning to or to trust it um, and not looking to food is some magical you know it's not a harmful subject um, uh, harmful entity I don't need to be afraid of food it's fuel um, so to really develop this um, positive relationship with with food and that will spill over into positive relationship with my body and other areas of life
0: that's great um, one more thing let me ask you this uh, this talk is posted on our website. People who are listening to it know how to get in touch with you, and they know all about your website, uh, and and can access your publications. Do you ever work with people long distance? Do they have to be face to face? If if somebody who's listening here wants to call you and become a client, and she's in New York State and you're in Oregon, is that going to work?
1: Oh well, I want to thank you for asking that because in general, I think it's um, you're going to. A person's going to gain a lot more from establishing a personal relationship with mm-hmm. a sports dietitian. Um, I, if someone is a client of mine initially, and let's say they go off to school or they have to go away to a um, a training site, you know, some of my elite athletes, then then I will do phone work with them. However, there is a website, d P G so it's s C-A-N-D-P-G.org, mm-hmm. and that is a group of um, sports cardiovascular and wellness nutritionists
0: oh, who are all
1: dietitians. And there's a map of the United States, and you can click on that map, and you can find, you know, begin to locate um, a dietitian in your area, someone who specializes in sports nutrition.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Yeah, and and that's really because you you deserve this one-on-one.
0: Um, uh-huh
1: attention and copies of my book yes www.eatdrinkwin.com that's um, great my,
0: eat drink win and it's very, on our website here too
1: <laughs> very very simple formula um an endurance sports nutrition um, my second edition came out in 2007 and it's yeah it's just full of very um practical information my whole and, job and, is a
0: Can I assume that even if you're not an endurance athlete, that you're certainly going to find information in there that's beneficial?
1: Yes. And it's the whole first half of the book is just about setting up normal eating habits. It is not for elite athletes. Um, You know, this is for all ages and abilities. And then it walks people through, let's say they've never done any type of racing or events. You know, they want to... Start out with their local 20-miler. Yeah. And I Baby steps. Kinda, you
0: got to start yeah, somewhere.
1: Walk you through <laughs> all the way right up through. Then you can do Race Across America.
0: Oh, fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Well, that's great information. And Suzanne gerard Everly, I want to thank you again for talking to me today. I learned a lot, and I hope everyone else did. And maybe we can come back and do this again sometime.
1: Yes, sure, for sure. Thank you.